Hey, welcome back to the Infamous Podcast. This is Brian. This is Daryl. And this is a Christmas projection. <laughs> Christmas projection? Well, so the Hawkeye episode is called This is Christmas, and the Expanse episode is called Force Projection. So I took the last word of both shows, combined them, and made <laughs> that the title of episode 321. Okay, because I was just wondering what I was supposed to be seeing something like some type of projection in am, front of me, and then I am so incredibly creative with these titles. Sometimes, Daryl, you have no idea, <laughs> none. I mean, like the the level of creativity that goes into some of these titles <laughs> of the show. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, all right. So this week we have uh, news about Dark Horse Entertainment and comics and uh, some cool news there. I think it's I, I personally think it's cool news. Uh, and then Spider-Man No Way Home box office. I, I am I am not going to stop talking about this. The box office for Spider-Man and, and why? And uh, I was about to say, yeah, exactly. It's been a week. We're we're not holding back when we talk about it. We're not holding back why we think it it's done well. We're we're just if you haven't seen it, uh, there's a timestamp in the show notes. Um, if you're watching on YouTube or depending on your podcasting app, you can actually just click and it'll take you right to right past where that is. Um, or you can just look at the show notes and scroll past to the uh, to the right timestamp and I'm relatively accurate about them. So <laughs> um but yeah, anyway. Uh so Merry Christmas everyone. Uh if you're listening to this, hopefully you had a wonderful Christmas and got all the 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 fun stuff that that you wanted and and ordered short shirts from Flying Pork Apparel and gave everyone an infamous podcast shirt. <laughs> But yeah. Anyway, um, all right. Let's let's just jump right into Dark Horse because this, I saw this and and I texted it to you at the beginning of the week, and it's a very it was very exciting news for me. Yeah. Uh, what? So I, hold on. Uh, wait, first wait, of all, wait, wait, I wait, think... real, real quick. I, I just like like it's been said on here before, but I'm a huge fan of Dark Horse. Um, there was a book called Colder that came out about oh, it might be ten years at this point that had the creepiest freaking covers ever, but it was such a weird and dark series i really loved it um plus they have the avatar license and the the like kind of quarterly avatar graphic novels that they do have done an amazing job continuing the story of ang and the the you know team avatar I didn't know that. yeah i have them all you can borrow you can borrow whatever you mm -hmm. want no i didn't i did not even realize they did that for i mean i i, I probably don't care to check that out in the comic form just because there's so much other stuff going on yeah but yeah this isn't this is actually kind of interesting news I, again i'm i i used to be a dark horse guy back in the day that's actually some of the stuff like i mean when i say back in the day i mean like the 90s so i've always had dark horse comics like the when they did the alien v predator stuff and yeah, they, I, I like Dark Horse just because they had that hor horror vibe for, especially when I was getting stuff. Uh, I know they've expanded a little bit more, just like, you know, good business, you should. So this, 
and and again uh when you sent me these show notes i was i didn't i never heard of embracer group uh so i mean if you want to talk start talking about the article yeah i did do some digging into them a little bit and see and what they were about as far as sure. holdings and it's it's actually quite robust what they've been doing the last couple of years yeah so it's uh it's a swedish 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 <laughs> it's a swedish video game conglomerate and i love the word conglomerate that's a great word um and it's expected to close early next year or so probably around the end of q1 so march um they are 9,000 employees globally. They're touting the untapped potential of the Dark Horse Library, and they note 159 of 170 Dark Horse-owned properties have yet to be optioned for film or television shows. Um, honestly, this th this deal has happened on the back of Hellboy and Umbrella Academy and the success that both of those things have shown. That being said, I, I feel like this is really, really good news for the entertainment side of Dark Horse. I mean, they have the mask. They had Time Cop back in the 90s, which were, you know, the mask was a huge hit. Time Cop was great. Um, but they're, they're looking to to mine the, what, what did I say, 159 of the 170 properties into Netflix, Hulu, well, probably not Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, Shudder, um, I think Shutter is going to be a huge home for Dark Horse stuff because uh, that's the that's a horror one, right? I got that right. Right. Um, yes. You know, AMC. I think pro maybe maybe FX. So maybe Hulu in there a little bit, but uh, the, I, I don't know. I, this just has me excited. Uh, Dark Horse CEO Mike Richardson founded the company in 1986, and he's going to remain at the helm along with current management, which I think is super important. They have. 181 Dark Horse has 181 uh, employees between Milwaukee, Oregon, or Milwaukee, uh, which is Algonquin <laughs> for that. the good land. <laughs> um, Wayne's World, right? You've seen Wayne's World. Yeah. When, when they talk I was about just saying how they, yeah. how they spell Milwaukee yeah. in there. Milwaukee. Uh, and Los Angeles. Um, so they have the publishing side and Dark Horse Entertainment, which oversees the... Uh, the film and television business. And then I did not realize for whatever reason, I'm sure I knew this and just forgot, but things from another world is their merchandising arm. Um, and if you guys have never been to things from another world, there is a ton of cool geek shit to buy. Uh, so check that out after checking out our shirt store and giving a belated Christmas present to somebody. But yeah, I, I, I think, um, I, I liked Richardson's statement. He said, I've had a number of compelling conversations with Embracer CEO, Lars, Wingenfors, great last name. That like Lars Wingenfors is a Bond villain name. Um, <laughs> and he says, I'm very impressed with him and what he and his team have built. I have to say the future of our company has never looked brighter. So Dark Horse is the number three publisher. Uh, anybody who says images can fuck right off. Um, <laughs> I mean, Dark, Dark, Dark Horse has done a great job of having their own stuff plus licensing um, you know, obviously Hellboy helps with that. BRPD helps with that. Um, they had the Star Wars line forever. And and it was some of the best expanded universe stuff. There was a, a great, like, it was kind of the birth of the Jedi, where they were called the Jedi, uh, like with a apostrophe in there and an H. Um, and I think that's where they kind of, 
appropriated <laughs> the word Jetta for Rogue One. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> um, but no, I, I feel like I feel like this is this is really 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 good news, not just for Dark Horse, but for the comic book industry. Hopefully, they're gonna they're gonna pay attention to the publishing arm because it looks like I mean based on what they're saying, right? 159 out of 170 own properties. They understand that the comics are a great way to mine for this IP. But they have to give they and this is this is my big question mark. Are they going to do what Millar did or what Netflix did to Millar World where they take something like Jupiter's Legacy and completely get away from what it's about? And, and, and add all this stuff that didn't need to be in there and just try to do their own thing with the idea of the characters? Or are they going to do what the boys did, where they do make changes with the boys, but it's still really faithful to that story um, without being as graphic as the boys' comic book is? So, yeah, that was my big question, Mark, because, again, they are looking it looks as if they're focusing on that. Hey, we have, you know, talent to mine in the sense of the original properties. And I know you said that's a good, this is like this acquisition could be, is a good thing, but that's my worry is again, I don't, I was just looking up some stuff for embracer group and they've been very busy in acquisitions the last couple of years. Uh, the, probably the biggest one is gearbox software, which is known yeah. for, Games like Duke Nukem and Borderlands series, which are very popular gaming series, they um, purchased that for a price of one, a cool one point three billion in February, and it got finalized in April. But there was a couple more. But the last year and a half, they've been very busy trying to diversify. And and one of the articles uh, that I read about them, they're getting all these different smaller gaming companies that are doing different things. Some are doing the mobile free-to-play apps. Some are doing, you know, like I said, Gearbox. So I do think based on their profile and their business plan, it, I don't think they would do the sense of, you know, just focusing on the adaptations. Right. Because I do think from, again, my barely their knowledge, meaning the knowledge I've gotten reading mm -hmm. Furiously reading for the last twenty minutes about right. this company. So, wow, that that is that I, is some hardcore research you did there. <laughs> now, so I to, do think. To to be fair, I did send this story to you on the twenty first. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I didn't send you so, the show notes until about thirty minutes ago. Yeah. So I, I, again, some of these names of these companies, because again, yeah. Embracer used to be Nordic Games, right. and then it changed to THQ Nordic, which you know I've heard of that. But a lot of these smaller gaming uh, companies that they did is to diversify, and in say in, in contrast to somebody like Electronic Arts, which I have serious issues with EA, no and how they handle things, no respect, no respect for, for no. what EA does. So yeah, who who focuses on big titles like just a few big titles that diversity and again yeah. what do they say when you're you know in your stock portfolio diversify and yep. it looks like they're doing that and i think with that type of game plan business plan they won't be the ones to say you know what we don't care about the comics because like you said they know that all these properties need to be mined well the only way to be mined something is if you know it's planted there in the first place and I think, and the fact that, you know, the original creator of Dark Horse is still staying on board. Mm -hmm. and, and I think they said 
the whole management staff or executive staff or yeah. something like that is staying with him. That yep. means that they are cognizant of what Dark Horse brings to the table, right. not just in the sense of adaptations, but in the sense of the comics as well. Mm-hmm. So I do think Dark Horse, will, that is something like anytime things like this happen, that's always my concern because some of these companies, I don't think they don't care about comics, like the whole right. DC and yeah. Marvel thing. I don't think the, the they care about comics. So um, I, ha- I do have I do have an interesting like thought because um, you know who Kelly Sue DeConnick is, right? Yeah. So she's she's real big on if you don't like my politics, don't read my don't comics. Read my books. Anyway, yeah. so she did Ghost and. Um, Ghost is one of these books that it's it's like a horror, like sciency fiction, demonic thing. Plus, it's got like a whole bunch of politics in there, like corruption and things like that. Um, it was only like five total, or no, uh, I forget how many issues. It went for like three three trades. So, I mean, we're probably talking about like thirty some issues there. Uh, it, it was really good. The art was like at least for the first volume was done by Phil Noto. Uh, I'm interested if they're gonna like pick that kind of stuff up because you know obviously they have the witcher um hellboy sin city umbrella academy but i i wonder if they're they're gonna take because there was some some relatively like woke quote-unquote woke stuff at uh at at dark horse and and like just kind of appease everybody like we're gonna make hey we're gonna make this you know female-led ghost mystery paranormal political drama that's gonna be filled with you know kelly sue's um, politics and you know maybe we do it so it's entertaining for everybody maybe we do it so it's entertaining for half the people I, I like I don't yeah. really see a problem that way because I'm, I'm of the opinion I, I'm getting more and more of the opinion after like kind of some of the stuff we've watched in the last three weeks is that none of this should be for everyone like if you want to make stuff that's you know quote unquote woke right do it, but don't get mad when it doesn't make money. If you want to make stuff that's quote unquote conservative, do it, but don't get mad when it doesn't make money. And then when you want to make things that, that actually appeal to everybody, you get Spider-Man No Way Home. And, and this is, but there, there's also this part too. Oh, and that's a huge thing. Uh, but there's also this part. Even if you make it for a certain audience, you don't have to throw dirt in the face of those right. who don't like it like if you could say hey i wrote it with this type of slant and mm-hmm. i know everybody's not going to like it i hope they give it a chance yep. and maybe they'll see something in it that they might like they might not think and, and again i'm not trying and i know they can't say this because right. they, they're doing the exact opposite but i'm not trying to change anybody's opinion or mm-hmm. force my opinions on someone i'm just trying to tell a story from this particular lens and I hope it reaches a lot of people. I know it's not going to reach everybody. Right. I there. want, I and want Mike and Lars coming out of this. I want Mike and Lars to be the adults in the room. Yeah, and say, look, we are, we are, we are going to be a full service entertainment company. And we've been going on about this for a little longer than I intended to, but that's okay. Uh, we are going to be a full service entertainment company with our continue with our comics line, continue with you know the the shows and movies that we have that are, are successful. Um, of course, I think David Harbor is really proving to not be a box office draw. Absolutely not. Uh, mainly because he sucks. He's not. But, <laughs> um, 
But no, I, I really hope they're the adults in the room and they're going to do just what you said. We're going to be like, hey, we're going to make this. We don't care what Twitter says um, one way or the other. Like if you're if you're one of these Twitterati who is out there, you know, preaching everyone should do whatever you want them to do or die, then great. This show's for you. Enjoy it. Fuck off. Um, or, hey, we're making something that's going to be like wholesome family values, uh, like, you know, pride in America, whatever. This is for you. Shut up, Twitter. We don't care what you have to say about this. Fuck off. You know, um, I think yeah. the key is just tell Twitter to fuck off. But yeah, in any every every and, yeah. Of, so of like, yeah. and if you work at Twitter, you're evil. I'm I'm just I I've come to that conclusion. Um, but I, I I'm super excited for this. I'm excited to see where it goes. I've I've been a fan of Dark Horse and 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 what Mike has done with the company since 1986 uh or since the for me since probably the late 90s um i was more of a bprd than hellboy fan so yeah i still haven't gotten into that. hellboy i mean I, I again i love the del toro movies the the 2019 movie was oh my god the thing awful. that mike mignola did with hellboy is super special and it's well worth going back and reading the early stuff. Um, I mean, it, it sh you should definitely check it out. Um, I don't know if it's on Comixology Unlimited or not, but mm -hmm. if you're interested in checking that out, you can go to our website and get 30 free days. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's uh, let's move on to my my new favorite topic: um, <laughs> the Spider-Man No Way Home box office. Yeah, seriously, I, I I could not have been more wrong. <laughs> Let's. I'm. I'm just. I'm owning this, right? I could not yeah. have been more wrong. The movie has been out for a week now. Yeah, today's Friday. It came out. Yeah. it came out yeah. on on twelve seventeen. We're recording this on Christmas Eve, twelve twenty four. It has made eight hundred and thirteen point nine million through Wednesday. So that's not even the updated for yesterday and and what they're projecting for today uh it still hasn't opened in china <laughs> and it's made 813.9 million dollars overseas and the overseas cumulative is just 457 million that's it for and because you said it still hasn't opened in china right or as we say china china uh, it has done $356,531,855. It is 48% of its box office draw. Um, it, uh, yeah, I mean, so between Friday the 17th and December the 27th, I mean, it, it took a drop. I mean, it went from 121 uh, for that weekend. Oh, for that, for, damn, it did $121 million on that Friday. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Jesus Christos, if you will. Uh, it, I mean, it, it's it's opening weekend did 260. When we talked about this last week, it was 254 is what they were projecting. The actuals came in at 260 million and change. And it was on 4,300 uh, screens, which considering how long this movie is, 
uh, that's not a lot. If they cut a half hour out of this movie, they can get this on 5,000 screens. Yeah. And it's probably already at a billion dollars in a week. Uh, it's now the second highest, you know, opening of all time. Um, worldwide. Uh, fourth highest, uh, you know, um, opening weekend, things like that. But the, it, it does not seem to be slowing down. I was looking for tickets to go see it again, and there are no good seats available unless you want to go at like 1030 at night, which I will definitely fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it seems like this movie heard uh, someone saying, you know, there will not be a billion dollar movie for X amount of time. And it said, you know what? Hold our beer. <laughs> They're like, fuck because... you, Brian. <laughs> because <laughs> I, again I, I said I, specifically this movie would probably cap out at eight 600 to 800 million is what i said this would cap yeah. out at and i wasn't so sure i but my prop my concern and i mentioned this multiple times is the continued issues we had seen with the other three mcu movies from a quality perspective and from a perspective of people opening bumping their gums talking about what this movie is about and what it represents mode diversity inclusion instead of saying hey this is a kick-ass story i thought that was going to really especially after the bomb that was eternal but this movie I has this mud was, diversity and mud inclusion yeah but they that's the thing but guess what they did yeah that they, they didn't you didn't hear actors bumping their gums about it day in and day out and demonizing people yeah who don't necessarily you know play to the drumming that they do that's the thing I mean, it, it was more about benedict cumberbatch definitely tried his best um but oh yeah he, i don't think he's as big a star as he thinks he is yeah i i i just don't and, also, and i don't think he's as big a star as other people necessarily think he is now he's a part of this gigantic movie he was a part of he was a part of the ensemble of the other gigantic Marvel movies that he became a part of. But outside of Doctor Strange, he does not do a lot. And I'm, I'm just going to say it. This is a hot take. The first season of Sherlock was great. The second season of Sherlock, two out of three, not bad. Everything after that is uh, Doctor Who, like current Doctor Who level garbage. Yeah, that's a hot take. I don't necessarily agree with that. I will agree that the second half of after what you're saying was definitely a drop in quality. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think. I don't think people would disagree with that. It'd be an. It's just. It's just. If you're being semantics. Honest. If you're being honest. Yeah. It's, so. Yeah. It's it's semantics now. Like yeah. I I absolutely agree. This. You know. After that, it it was very dis. I was disappointed. There mm -hmm. were good stuff about it, but I was still. After seeing that first season, and again, the second season really for me too. <laughs> But let's everything else was yeah. a disappointment. I mean, back back to this. I mean, we're 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 looking at the top ten markets through Wednesday. UK fifty seven million. Mexico forty three point nine. France. I mean, like I didn't even realize that France went to movies just because you know there's no retreat. Uh, twenty eight point seven. <laughs> Korea twenty eight point six. Brazil twenty six point six. Australia, which is like allegedly locked down. I don't know. I'm not from Australia. I don't give a shit about Australia. 26.3. India, 23.5. Russia, 22.2. .2. Uh, Italy, 16.1. And it's a Mia Mario. And then Germany, 15.5. I did not realize Nazis still went to movies. Uh, anyway, this is just crazy. Like, 
it, it is crazy what this movie is doing. And they keep talking. Oh, it's a pandemic record. It's a pandemic record. Screw you. No, it's it, a record. It is, it is a legit record of box office greatness for a movie that is legitimately great. You gave it an 8.5. I gave it an 8. Those are the two of the highest scores we've given a movie since you started on the show. Oh, absolutely. I was going back and looking at the ones that I actually wrote down. Um, and I've been making a point, guys, to add the, the, our, our ratings to the show notes. Um, just for prosperity's sake, so we can get called out on horrific takes down the line. Yeah. Um, yeah. FYI, Matrix uh, Meta, I mean, Matrix Revelations or whatever shit it's called. Resurrections. Uh, res no, yeah, Resurrections. One out of ten. Um <laughs> Not, I'm not even kidding. Like the Matrix, it's bad. the it's, Matrix, it's really bad. Is it a top five favorite movie for me? They have done everything they can, and this is all I'm going to talk about. This they've done everything they can to degrade the greatness of that original. And I contend, if the these now three sequels did not exist, The Matrix as a standalone film, we're talking to this day how it is the greatest science fiction film of all time. It's yeah. So all that's, right, that's all we need to say. Last yeah. tangent there. Um, but when you look at the movies that opened up, uh, what is it? Sing two <laughs> did twelve point six to date. Twelve point six million. Uh, what did the Kingsmen do? Where'd it go? I thought they had it in here. Didn't that just open yesterday? No, Wednesday. No, it opened Wednesday. Uh, yeah, yeah, Wednesday. All right, hold on. I'm in the wrong article. Um, but yeah, and then the Matrix opened, which you know, Warner Brothers got my sixteen dollars, so I I watched it on there. Uh, Eight million opening. All right, I'm just gonna go to Box Office Mojo and see what they have. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it it is dominating the box office. It is it's crushing everything out there. Let's see. Yeah, uh, to date. Uh, Sing 2, which the first thing is a really cute, really fun movie. Uh, 9.745 million and 15.292 million worldwide. So, you know, it, it, it's done more domestic than it did international, but it also is not open in a ton of markets yet. Uh, it did open in some markets where it, it's gross is just not really very good. Uh, what was the other one? The Matrix. Matrix Resurrections. Let's see. Uh, domestic, 6.4 million. International, 9.1. Worldwide, 15 million. So just in comparison there, the actual Matrix, the one true Matrix, if, if you will, um, it opened in 1999, keep in mind, to 20 27.8 million. Um, its total run was 466. And you have to remember this movie's campaign was you cannot be told what the matrix is. You have to see it for yourself until the movie had been out for three weeks. And that's when they started showing scenes from the movie. Yeah, it is to this day, the greatest marketing job. Um, now why is Spider-Man, man, I'm really intense right now. I need to calm down. <sighs> Why is Spider-Man doing so well? Well, one is Spider-Man, and I think you said this, is one of the, I think it's one of the three, he's one of the three 
top recognized yep. fictional characters in comic books. He's he's number three. Superman, yeah. Batman, and Spider Man. Superman is number one, then yeah. Batman, then Spider Man. Um, but I I I I think everybody owes John Campia a bit of an apology, uh, us included. Um, sorry, John. Not still not a fan, but sorry. Um, th- those leaks were intentional, and those leaks needed to happen. Because the Eternals and Shang-Chi and Black Widow got rid of a lot of the goodwill that Marvel had with the MCU. And you have all these, you have all these like access honks out there like, uh, oh, these are great movies. They're so awesome. I love them. Um, Yeah, you live in your mom's basement. (laughs) You just want free shit from the studio. That's it. Yeah. So, um... yeah. So no, it, it it's the fact that they 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 spoiled Charlie Cox, and then they over delivered on that scene when he caught the brick, which was awesome, and they spoiled the Spider Man with you know Maury and Ezra Spider Man showing up <laughs> with no with Andrew and Toby showing up, and and again they over delivered. Toby was amazing as the elder statesman Spider-Man. He was amazing. And in my opinion, Andrew Garfield stole every scene that he was in. Yeah. Every single scene. And he's a good actor. He really is. Um, I know, I know like my, my big, my biggest issue. And I went back and watched amazing Spider-Man between last Friday and this Friday or no, wait, we recorded on like Tuesday. Actually, I watched it right after we recorded on Tuesday. Um, the review for No Way Home. The Amazing Spider-Man is not a good movie. It's just not. It's mm-hmm. it's just inherently flawed. Um, and it's it's the biggest divergence from like the traditional Spider-Man origin story because mm-hmm. our Spidey in MCU, the Tom Holland Spidey, does not have a traditional Spider-Man or, origin story, and he's not the six one six Spider-Man. He's he never had Uncle Ben spoilers um aunt may gave the you know great power and great responsibility line in amazing spider-man martin martin sheen he didn't even say with great power comes great responsibility it's like your dad had a philosophy that when people can do good things they're expected to give back good it's like shut up just say great do the line say the line say it (laughs) just say it uh (laughs) But no, I mean, I like I said, this is my favorite topic, and anytime someone brings it up, I just go whole ham on them about like why this is happening and why it's so great. This is horrible for Hollywood. This is horrible for Hollywood as a whole. Yeah, it again. This all we've heard this last year with box offices is that it's because of what's going on. And people are scared to go to the movies. Movie studios are closed. And mm-hmm. look, in some respects, in some respects, I can understand it, especially early on. This, not now. Like right. this whole year, 2021, when you were talking about 2020, when half half the country was right. closed, okay. Yeah. And then certain theaters were, okay, I can get that. But 2021, no. If you make a good movie that people want to see, and we've, we've been saying this for pretty much this last 12 months. If you if they make good movies that people want to see, people are going to go see it. Full stop. People are going to go see it. And this shows, this just proves that point. Yep. That people 
we'll go see good things. So, and I, and again, I, I've mentioned the MCU movies, but it's not just the MCU movies. It's stuff like James Bond, James Bond movies. That James Bond movie should have been, pe- people should have been flocking to see it. But what happened? James Bond, again, the last couple movies has got, have gone down in quality one. And then you start hearing the stuff behind the scenes everything of them you talking about, know about what the they're James, trying to do. Everything you need to know about the James Bond movie was in the promotional shot where the lady who played Maria Rambeau in uh, Captain Marvel was on the motorcycle and she was driving and James Bond is on the back <laughs> with his arms around her. Yes. Holding on for dear life. That's everything you need to know in one single shot about the treatment of James Bond in that movie. Correct. So, plain and simple. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's close this one out. So, keep going, Spidey. Get to a billion. Prove me wrong. Uh, this is the first time I've ever been, like, happy to be, like, so wrong on something. <laughs> yeah. We but, will yeah. eat a nice plate of crow. Uh, just please put barbecue sauce on it. Uh, yeah, I, I'd like, uh, I, I had wings with spicy teriyaki last night and I've never had spicy teriyaki before. I would like that. <laughs> so good. All right. Hawkeye. We got the, uh, the finale season series. I do not know. They have not, they have not told us what this is. Uh, this was, so this is Christmas directed by Reese Thomas, written by showrunner than Jonathan Igla and Eliza Clement. Um, obviously released on Wednesday, the 22nd. So you guys know, Reese Thomas directed, uh, the pilot and episode two, uh, Jonathan wrote episode one, Elise wrote episode two. So they were the, the kind of team. And then episodes three through five were directed by Burton Birdie. And they were written by just a host of, of different writers. You had Kate, uh, Matthewson and Tanner Bean writing episode three Aaron uh, Kinchino and Heather Quinn writing episode four, and then Jenna Noel Frazier writing episode five. Uh, I am going to say the Burton Birdie episodes were the best. Um, I was going to say that too. For me, like it's just. Yeah. Good. I was just going to say it's interesting you said that because when you're talking about that Reese directed episodes you say one and two and the same the same writing team was like the same writing directing team has been in one and two one two and six yep and and for me they are and and i I don't want they're the the my least favorite episodes i i and i'll i'll get into this and again i'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying it wasn't as good it didn't capture me like episodes three four and five did so for me episode four is my favorite episode of the series and the cold open to episode five with so Yelena showing up with the yeah, blip. And I go back and forth between episodes four and five. I, I mean, I really enjoyed all both of those. Yeah. And this one, again, I like what what we got. But considering how three, four and five for me continued to get bad, like raise the bar. Yep. From what we started with. I have to admit, I was a little bit disappointed with uh, this I'm, finale. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say I was disappointed in the finale because we got some stuff, and we we're actually wrong. I was actually wrong again, admitting to being wrong again. Um, and I, I think, uh, 
I, I just I think that the 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 Thomas Igla Clement team did not put the same amount of care into the Clint and Kate relationship. If if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, and again, like I said, there were a couple moments I really liked with them, but it yeah. just didn't have the strength of because I love what like her again. That little treasure that Haley Steinfeld is. Her reaction when Clint says we're partners. Yep. I'm not going to abandon you now. Yeah. I, I love that. I, you know, liked, you know, the what the you know at the end. Uh, and again, spoilers by the way. Yeah, by the way, spoilers. Just FYI. Just yeah. <laughs> just assume. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I like what we get in yeah. the final scene with them. Uh, or just that final whole final kind of like epilogue. It wasn't even epilogue, but the you know just that final yeah cut of at the family farm so and everything the, like that. The runtime with this one was sixty one minutes, which was about twenty minutes longer than or about fifteen minutes longer than than any of the other uh, episodes. Um, of course, Disney's got forty three minutes of credits, so there's that. But I. I like I did like this episode for bringing everything together. You had the LARPers, you had um, the tracksuit mafia, which apparently had a recruiting drive at some point in between episodes yeah. five and six. You had uh, you had Kingpin show up. You had um, you know the answer that you know spoilers. His wife is Mockingbird. Yes. So he, the watch was uh, the shield logo and it had agent 19, which is, is, you know, Bobby. Um, so she's going by Laura. So anyway, whatever she's in hiding. I get it. I smell what she's cooking, but I, I think actually what I think would be interesting if she was like Bobby's sister and Bobby's dead. Um, not that Bobby's not, you know, anyway, uh, I'll say this. Um, there were just a couple sticking points for me. One, there's no way Kate Bishop survives one punch from Kingpin. Yeah. Not one. He punches through her because a bunch of LARPers made her costume. So it's not like, you know, a Spider-Man nanotech, you know, or whatever. Dragon, or dragon skin armor or yeah, something like that. It's not, it's not what, uh, what the dude Cole from, um, like, the legit plot armor he grew in Mortal Kombat. Um, yeah. it's not even that like her, her plot armor was so thick during that, that scene. And I, I did, I don't think they did a bad job showing how she got out of that situation because she was able to use the smarts that we've seen that she's had. Um, Kate Bishop in this series was never a Mary Sue. They went, but they went out of their way to tell us how great she was. And we got to see it as it went on and on and on. But when she fought the tracksuit mafia in episode one, she took very little damage. She was barely hurt. Um, she fell through a skylight and just got a couple cuts on her face. Barely hurt. She took a full on kingpin punch to the chest and his hand did not come out the other side. <laughs> I, I just, you know, and kingpin is not one to pull punches. Uh, I loved Everything they did. He did they rip did. a car door off. Right. A door off of car. Right. So. And they showed us. They showed us. They showed him doing that. I loved Kingpin in this. Um, spoilers. At the end, uh, Echo shoots him 
he's not dead. He's going to be blind. They're going to do a Daredevil Shadowlands story. I guarantee it. I I, I will bet Daryl's life on this that they will do hey. a Daredevil Shadowland with the Blind Kingpin. And, you know, if they don't, Daryl, I'll miss you. <laughs> wow. After admitting tw- twice on this podcast you were wrong, you'll bet my life on this one. This is not the first time I bet your life on something. <laughs> so, I, I, li- I like my life. I don't want to bet myself. <laughs> you're, you're just some guy at the other end of a microphone now. <laughs> I mean, if you came in more often, maybe there'd be more of a personal connection. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the other the other nitpick I had was the never ending quiver of arrows that Clint and Kate had when they were fighting the four hundred sixty two thousand eight hundred seven tracksuit mafia douchebags. Yeah, I, it was it was like that scene from the Matrix when all the um the second Matrix Agent Smith when all the Smiths yeah. come pouring out and then they're all like me 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 um yeah it was just oh and then uh Yelena trying to kill Clint um I don't think she would have savored the 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 kill like that I think she would have just killed him and moved on. And not giving him the I, chance to do the whistle. Well, this is the thing. I, and, and I think they didn't do a good enough job earlier on pointing this out. So when she talks to, was that episode four when she, or episode five? Which, well, no, episode four when she talks to Kate. Yeah, it's episode five. When she talks to Kate and Kate's like, hey, this, he was like good friends with, and and then she ends up going right. and finding out that Kingpin, uh, that Eleanor mm-hmm. Bishop and Kingpin are in cahoots. Right. They didn't. When she left that conversation, it all it looked like she was hell bent on killing Clint. Mm-hmm. Nothing would have told me she's going to. Hey, let's do some. I'm going to do some recon on who who hired me. Right. They could have done a better job of even showing us a, a quick look at her face, kind of mulling things over, but they didn't do that. And so, so yeah. I think that that little, I guess, earworm that Kate put in her, that's why. Maybe. Yeah. She, like, maybe. That, again, I, I think they could have done a better job showing her being conflicted about it. Yeah. I, I um, will say this. So if they continue Hawkeye as a series with Kate Bishop. Florence Pugh had better be her like they they could they can redeem Virtue Signal and the Neutered Soldier by doing Hawkeye and Black Widow with Yelena Bulov as the Black Widow and just their conversations, them fighting each other. Oh my like this would be dude. amazing. And and Florence Pugh is again super likable. I don't know if you've watched Fighting with My Family. She's awesome. Yes. It. Oh, I like, love that movie. She, I love like, her in that. She actually is nothing like looks nothing like Paige. Um, but no, she doesn't. <laughs> you know, I, and and they used um, Selena Vega as AJ AJ Lee, uh, which was weird, and and like stand-ins for Charlotte and Sasha Banks, but did not call them. Uh, sorry, going down a rabbit hole. Um, it's uh, it that would be that would be such a great series of them like going after like you know Val. 
Like, why did you, yeah. why did you do this? Well, uh, stop making me try and stop making me like you. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, I mean, that's a perfect, that's a in, perfect. In, uh, did, did, you know, it did you do that? Did you do that on purpose? <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> that they, was, that would be an amazing series. I mean, one Haley's delivery is so almost as perfect as it can be for the comedic timing for, for everything that she does. And then mm -hmm. I, I feel like, I don't know how many of her own stunts that she did. Um, so I'm going to say this, the character of Kate Bishop, the physicality was super believable. If it's yes. Haley Seinfeld Steinfeld doing the, the actual fighting and things like that, if it's not kudos to this, this production team throughout this entire series of making it look like she did the yeoman's work of the stunts. Yeah. So another issue I had, and, and this is not just this episode, but this entire series, I mentioned how Maya slash echo. I didn't like her at first. And, and it, and I did grow to be interested in that character, mm -hmm. uh, especially last episode a lot. My problem though, is they treated her like Carly from, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier in this sense. She has been aligned with Kingpin for God knows how long. Meaning that the tracksuit mafia and her, who she was leading, uh, along with uh, Kaz, they were into some bad stuff. Mm -hmm. So she right. turns on Kingpin because she finds out she he killed her father. And now we're supposed to be aboard, on board with her. They're... And again, I know there's going to be a series, and maybe this series helps me with this. Helps me see her as more of a hero as she tries to make amends for the things she did. But this series did not do a good job of, hey, she's a bad guy. She's a and very bad guy. Very bad guy. And they tried it because she turns, like, again, she turns on someone worse than her. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be okay with what she did. Yeah, that's just the again, whole Hollywood just doesn't like understand heroes. <laughs> yeah, and this is exactly like Carly, how Carly was ready to kill innocent people. Mm -hmm. And yet Falcon is holding her like she's some sort of a hero or some sort of a martyr. I, I think that says more about the misunderstanding of Sam Wilson than it does about Carly, uh, the flag smasher, quote unquote. Yes. I, I would I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. I, I, so honestly, I I think I almost think you can't call this like Hawkeye versus Virtue Signal and the Neutered Soldier even the same like universe of MCU. The people who did this actually watched the MCU movies. I, I would have, yes. Uh, Malcolm, what's his name? Who did uh, Spellman? Spellman, thank you. I always want to say like Spellberg or something weird like that. Malcolm Spellman knows nothing about the MCU. Sam Wilson, nothing. He can say no. he does all day long. He knows nothing. He did not. He did not watch um, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Did not watch it. No. Did did not see like the fact what drove Sam. Did not understand the fact that Sam is a highly paid government contractor at this point, and yeah. would not need a loan. And added that as a virtue signal and dog whistle. Yeah. 100%. Yes. And borderline, that dude is racist. Um, yes. And then with the flag smashers, um, go ahead and make your allegory for Black Lives Matter. That's fine. Like, 
what you've done by doing that is saying Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. Plain and simple. I'm not saying they are or they aren't. I'm saying that that is the message that you sent with this, with this show, with that show, not this show. This show was great. I, I will say, mm -hmm. uh, Jonathan Ingla, as the showrunner, you did a great job putting together a team of writers. Because when we say episodes one, five, and six, I'm sorry, one, two, and six. One. Uh, or, yeah, one, two, and six are, um, you know, not as good as three, four, and five. That is not saying they're bad episodes. I mean, other than the pilot, right. but the pilot is always a bad episode. That show me yeah, a pilot that's with that's, anything that's good. Um, there are very, very few. few. Very um, few. Supernatural, Sports Night. Those are the only two uh, I can typically think of. Well, would you count thirty three as a pilot? Yes, I would actually because I didn't watch the uh, the miniseries until season one was over because uh, yeah. I had been boycotting sci fi because of uh, Farscape. I told you that no. story. Yeah. How I, I just yeah. randomly turned on 33, uh, the Battlestar Galactica premiere. Uh, and then I was like, okay, I guess all is forgiven. Um, the other thing about this episode is Jack. Uh, Jack was amazing. I love I <laughs> Jack was amazing. Uh, what's what's the, the actor's name? Tony Dalton as Jack Duquesne. Uh, Duquesne. Sorry. Duquesne. Sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> Dude, I like Duquesne. Um, he he was great when he found out what Eleanor had done and the way he stepped up to help Kate because he genuinely cared about Kate. The the red herring of him like being after her money and the red herring of like Kate can't trust him really was paid off very 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 well in the finale. And the fact yeah, that I he agree. was swashbuckling his way through <laughs> tracksuit mafia douchebag jack thing to, yeah was like like it's everything that we learned about that character was culminated in the last half hour of of the of the season um and 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 well 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 done to everybody involved um from from tony and, dalton to the directors and the yeah. writers and and the way they shot him and all of that and then the fact that he is probably joining the New York City LARPers just tickles me pink. Yes, I, I love that character. I, again, that first episode was rough, but and, and it was a cheesiness to it mm -hmm. and him. Yeah, that played like for him especially, it played out through the rest of the series, and yeah. I loved. The, again, there there's cheese that's good and there's cheese that's bad. There was some bad cheese in this episode, but there was also a lot of yeah. good cheese, and and camp. Yeah, that that's what. That's the thing about this. I think there was a little too much camp, especially when you were talking about the endless I'm gonna, cycle. So of, I'm going to disagree um, just a little bit, right? Because mm -hmm. the camp is necessary because they were not afraid to make this a comic book series. This is yeah. this this is a this is 100 a series based on a comic book. It did better. Sorry, Matt. It did better than this was. This lands for me way better than the the comic did. Because of Haley, because of Jeremy. Um, yeah. Oh, oh no, I'm not. No, what I'm saying about the camp but, yeah. is, I say that I say there's a little too much. Okay. I, I'm not saying that they didn't need it. I said there's a little too much, and the the endless cycle of the tracksuit mafia, that was one of those scenes that I I think they should have pared down just a little bit. Uh, you know, we always talk about movies how they yeah. could cut things out or cut things down, not necessarily out. I thought that was a little much, but to your point, I mean. 
you have a guy with a bow and arrow going against guys with guns. Yeah. Obviously, there's going to be you have to you have to make it in a sort of camp way, right. and that's what part of the thing that made the series believable and uh, allowed me to fall into it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it considering my expectations early on, yeah, and it kept those. You know, because yeah. yeah. sometimes shows get too real when they start off campy and then vice versa, and then they try to go back to the original right. aspect of it and they right. lose it. This one stayed, kept that camp and cheese throughout. It's just sometimes it didn't work. Most of the time it did. And considering they were in a kill box with the low ground, yes. you know, don't try it, Anakin. I have the high ground. We, we all know high ground <laughs> is the greatest superpower a villain or hero could ever have. Um, Unless you're Obi-Wan Kenobi, then the high ground is meaningless. You're just a badass. Um, <laughs> I mean, ask the top half of Darth Maul. Um, he misses yes. his bottom. Like, where did the bottom half go? Well, I don't know. How does he poop? Nobody told me. Um, but I'm in a mood today. I'm, I'm 100% in a mood. Uh, I'm so snarky right now. I apologize. If you guys don't like me being this snarky, please let me know and I'll, I'll tone it down. I will show <laughs> restraint. Um, I'll have plenty of restraint for the next part. But anyway, so just la la for me, the last thing. Um, I, I think um, with the, the end credit scene, I'm deducting an entire point from this episode. For shame. An entire I'm button. Point. I'm oh, hitting wait, the button right now. How dare you? There. Thank Abby. you. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> One, you keep texting me that goddamn line, and the song is stuck in my head now. Dude, that was in my head all day yesterday. And, and when today. I when I see you again, I am choking you out. <laughs> I'm I'm going to come at you. I'm going to take you down. I'm going to turn you over, and I'm going to choke you out. You should make that your ringtone. No, <laughs> dude, my ringtone is Adam Cole, baby. It's all about the boom. Oh, that's great. Yeah, boom. I'm taking the entire point away. I I no 100. So uh. Out of five never-ending quivers right now, mine is a 3.5. <laughs> no, I, 100%. So oh, an entire point was deducted for that because it was stupid and unnecessary. <laughs> you didn't have to watch it. Uh, I was hoping something was going to happen. Like, they were all going to, like, I, dust I really away. <laughs> or the building fall on them. I was going to say something really horrible, but I'm not going to. Oh, man, you're in a mood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so out of the three, was it out of the five endless quivers? Yeah, out of five never-ending quivers. Uh, yeah, I give it, I actually do give it a 3.5. Uh, now, are we do, we're going to do the rating for the series as a whole as well. Oh, I forgot about the series for the whole. So you're doing a 3.5 yeah. as well, huh? So yeah, I'm so. doing a 3.5. It just didn't. It just wasn't as solid. And again, I still enjoyed it a lot. And it just was a little bit less than the last couple episodes. I, I, it just didn't hit all the notes. It just sure. it hit a lot of the notes for me. Just not everything. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, it was ten. Okay. So out of uh. 
10 so Hawkeye season one out of 10 Kate and Yelena team ups what do you give this I give it uh, an eight because the it was it was a lot a lot a lot of synergy in the sense of the individual episodes just you know because the first two episodes were okay but the individual episodes just continued to build on the story and and the tone they kept the tone throughout that same you know campy tone with the serious undertones of what was going on with what Hawkeye lost yeah. of Clint lost is mm-hmm. in the sense of Natasha. Yeah. It just, it, it kept a strong tone. Even if every episode wasn't great, I think the series itself, and it, and I can't stress this enough. It was one of the most pleasant surprises for me for the 2021 year because of the disappointments we've had the last few series on uh, Disney plus. This was a welcome it was such a welcome for me mm-hmm. in the sense of it being good, it being fun. And the again, can't stress enough how important I think Haley Steinfeld can can be to the MCU going forward. Yes, agree. So I go 7.5 out of 10. Um I like you, I, I thought I, I thought the through lines for this for this season were great. Um I think I almost think the Echo storyline didn't need to be there if you were going to bring, since you were bringing Black Widow in. And yeah. Echo would have been, because if they're going to make her a hero, right, um, would have been better to introduce as someone who was had something to reckon with that wasn't quite the, oh, I'm going to forgive you for killing my dad because Kingpin told you to do it. Um, yeah. And because uh, Kizzy, or whatever his name was, uh, set my dad up you know right um i don't know i i just i did not i didn't care for for the character of echo uh really at all i think it was a uh it was just an insert that did not necessarily need to happen and it took away from it took away from from kate and 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 clint um really bonding and we could have gotten more yelena out of out of it without that storyline i think the tracksuit mafia could have stayed or should have stayed because they were they were a fine they were a fine like name they should have been a nameless faceless organization that kingpin was controlling without their knowledge yeah that could have been fine and you could have kept kazi or kaz as yeah kazi kazi as you know as as the the head head, or as the yeah Yeah. as the as the uh he wore the he should have wore a gold tracksuit and everybody else should wore red yeah, that'd been that'd been pretty. That'd cool. just been funny. It would have made me laugh. Um, <laughs> all right, so yeah, one good job, everybody on the on the on the series. I, I think as as a whole, um, this was the was the the only the second successful um, MCU TV Disney Plus yeah. series. All right, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. The Expanse, Force Projection. Dude, we are we are halfway through the season, and Damn. I could not be more excited about the way they used the space battles. And I was waiting for this because of the the oh. way it was described in the book. Um, when the Pella and the other two free navy ships 
have decided to go hunt the Rosinanti. And we'll talk about everything else, but I have to talk about this first because this this was amazing. This is the, the best space battle. They uh, like the like real life space battles, like using gravity and force and inertia and 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 thrust. Um, nobody does this better than the expanse. But the way they kept flipping the Rosi to shoot the railgun was great. And I was waiting. This is why I wanted Bobby on the ship. This is where we miss Alex because this would have been an Alex special. And it, it kind of was a little weird that James knew how to do this. Um, but also he's pretty he's a pretty great tactician strategy guy anyway. But they're yeah. being chased and he flips the Rosie to fire the railgun. And as it's firing, he flips it back and they keep running. And it was you know, again, like the plot armor is strong on the Rossi, like, you know, her, her shields are always at a hundred percent, even though they don't have shields in, in this world. <laughs> um, but then when, when Bobby comes up and she's like, give me manual control. And he looks at her for a second and he's like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm doing this. You're getting control. And, and she, she immediately recognizes the pattern and she, she, she verifies it before she does anything. And I'll yeah. I'll never forget in um is it Sybil of Burn, um where this yeah no yeah Sybil of Burn was where this one had where this book took place yeah um they were so focused on the railgun the Marco and the Pella and they were so focused on the missiles on the torpedoes and because he's not actually a military leader the Pella got taken out by the bullets and, yes and it is I don't know who. Ty and, and Daniel uh, consulted with about that. But I mean, that is just some next level strategy shit that like made it just makes it. it. It just it adds to the the legend of Bobby Draper and why Bobby being on Earth and Luna as a lapdog for Chrissy was really stupid. Um, and when Amos told her, I wonder about this about Chrissy, and she says, You know the old lady hates that. And he says, Yeah, but at least I say it to her face. Yeah. <laughs> that was that that right there is character development. That right there is yeah. is two characters who have a begrudging respect for each other. And uh, one is an open book, and the other is trying to have some level of decorum, even though she doesn't want to. Yeah. I love that scene. Too. Well, one, I love that scene with them, that back and forth they have to get uh, together. Um, but going, I that the fight scene, the space battle, that was one of those holy shit moments. Because you are absolutely right. Anytime they do space battles in this show, it's it's just incredible. The not only just the way that everything moves around, but just the cinematography of mm -hmm. getting these shots, getting these perfect angles to make everything look just right. It's yep. that first time he fired the railgun. It was one of those holy shit moments. I was just like, that was that looks so sweet. It, it was again, it was described so well in the book, right? Just so well, not like George R. R. Martin like describing an areola, but like. The way this was described in the book, it was like, I cannot wait to, I'd like a picture in my head. I see it. It's awesome. And talk about over-delivering, right? Yes. Like, this is, this makes me want to, like, be able to go fly spaceships in space. 
Like, uh, do you remember the show Space Above and Beyond? Yes. Like they did the same thing where like the ship would like flip, but they wouldn't lose their, um, you know, their, their trajectory. Like they would still like have be going the opposite that, you know, they'd be going the one way and flip the ship and still be going at the same speed and everything because of, you know, zero friction in space and be firing from, right. you know, the person at the person behind them with their forward guns. Um, but yeah, it was just so, so, so awesome. Yeah, I thought that was incredible, and I, I, just like you said, like it's like setting up in in a fight. You you know you're you're feigning to set up something, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what Bobby did. It's like they're, they're always you know they're always breaking left or you know dodging left. Was it left or so, right? Okay. I thought she said they always dodged. It right. was left. Oh right, okay. I gotta it was ch- left. I got to change something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And I thought that was that was that's exactly what happens in a fight. You keep. You, you know, they call it setting traps. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what she did. She was yep. like, okay, so they're going to dodge this way. So let me throw some, some stuff at them. And yeah, I mean, it, it was great. Yeah. It was just so well done. Mm-hmm. So well done. Um, you know, we got, we got the first glimpse of Monica's videos of people on earth and people on the belt. And we got to see Anna, um, talking about what was happening in, in sub-Saharan Africa where, where she lives with her, her daughter and wife. That was great. Um, we got Prax. Um, oh, yeah, You know, Prax showing up. And, and, like, we talked about this last week about how Anna and Prax, their storylines were cut to, you know, just the bare minimum to make time for everything. Perfect use of both characters. Perfect use. Yes. Anna is down there doing what Anna does in helping. Um you know, and Elizabeth Mitchell, I thought was a great casting choice for that. Um, I was, I was, you know, I was excited to see what happened there. And then with Prax, uh, you know, sharing the information about how to create food, which Marco set up a situation where he destroyed all the water tanks and food from Ceres once the uh, the UN and Martian navies got there, which was another just spectacular visual effect yes just oh that was great amazing it was it was so good um like i you see where the money is going for this um 100 we had a great peaches scene where holden's like i need to sleep you you need to take over and she's like i've never flown anything this big before and he's like the rossi will do the work by itself And um, they had an important moment too, yeah. because in there, not just because again, last episode he accepted her and she's a part of the crew. Peach is a part of the crew. That was the name of the podcast episode yes, yes, sir. last week. But where she says, tells him about, I got these, you know, I got these enhancements. Yeah, she was of you. talking about the mods because she she gets up and she stumbles because she's struggling, recovering, and and she talks about how. The first person she killed, she sees him every time she uses it. And she's like, mm. maybe that's, I think that might be why I get sick every time. Right. And she's talking about regret. And, and he has such a great line. He's like, everyone on this ship has something they regret, mm-hmm. including Amos, yeah. I think. Yeah. Which, and they both kind of smiled at that. He's like, right. you're in good company. Yeah. And so. if, if there's any doubt she's, she was a part of it. Yeah, he said it last week, but that was that moment that they needed just the, the two of them. Yeah. And I love that. I love just love the, the back and forth between them. Uh, great job by 
both actors. Yep. And again, they show uh, great, they're showing us this, right? They're not just telling us; they're right. showing us how yes. how he he is is doing this. Uh, I will say, like, I I don't know how I feel about like Naomi being the one solving like the Dutchman thing, um, just because it was such a huge point of emphasis in the books for Jim to do that, and it's what leads to Jim being captured, right? Right. Are they are they going to capture Naomi at the end? <sighs> I I, th- I see. I I think that's a really bad choice because of what they what happens to jim in the in the completing trilogy i don't think they would because that again this isn't like one of those either ors you make this change and i don't think they would do that i just even though she did you know see the pattern i think they're going to have jim still kind of because again she says there's a pattern but Mm -hmm. she can't quite tell yeah. what's going on but i so i feel still think it's gonna land in jim's lap and because there's a fundamental change in the characters if you switch them up who gets right. captured right i mean it's a fundamental change in their arc yep. in those last three and again I, we know this is we're we're not getting expand season seven next year right well if ever if ever. let's just let so, me at least we don't we don't know um which made the end really kind of weird when they they brought out the Laconian warship, right? And considering we have only three episodes left, so I, I, th- this kind of makes me nervous in how they're going to finish it. Just again, I I was I was on board last week mm-hmm. after last week's episode. Yeah. I really enjoyed this week's episode, but is that just that last part? With the Laconian, you know, is that the Magenta class starship? Yeah. Uh, seeing that, which again, we only got a quick glance, but it looked beautiful. Damn sweet, beautiful ship. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not sure with three episodes left, what they're, how we're gonna wrap this up. Yeah, I, I feel like that should have been like an epilogue of it coming off one of the tree moons at Laconia. Like, yeah. look at this badass ship. Because, uh, just kind of a book spoiler, and and I'm I'm pretty sure this is how they're gonna go. Is they they're gonna trip one of the gates to make a bunch of ships go Dutchman, um, and with Laconians in the ring space with that particular ship with Medina Station under the control of the Free Navy, um. That'll be interesting. I, I also liked the drum. Like, see, now this week the drummer scene was good because it was short and she was building her Navy to go help against Marco. Mm-hmm. And that's all, that's all, like, everything for drummer should be leading up to her going after the Free Navy. Um, we didn't need anything with the the Michio thing and, and stuff like that. I, I just I I feel like that was a distraction. Um, but yeah, it was it was. This is this is one of the better science fiction shows on television, and I know not everybody likes it. And and you know I know I'm probably being a book reader of this series. I, I definitely probably give it more bias towards the positive. But they just do such a good job with the small details and the craftsmanship 
of what they do that you can't help but feel you're living in their world and everything their fields lived in. Like if you look at mm-hmm. um, the, the the videos they took down about like the the galaxy cruiser from from Star Wars, right? Everything uh, everything they showed about that hotel looked and felt fake. And yeah, it absolutely yes, yeah, and and it's uh, it, it's just one of those things that like you can't you can't be completely inauthentic. You have to have some sort of of authenticity. And in this case, because it's like you know, a thousand years in the future, or five hundred years in the future. I don't I don't remember what it is. They, 500. They have, 500. They've Three, created, 500. Yeah. yeah, they have created an authentic lived-in experience for now four different classes of human. You have the Earthers, Which, you have the Martians, you have the Belters, and now you have the Laconians. And we're seeing just a glimpse of the Laconians. Um, and, and we'll close with this strange dog tie-in. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I just everybody... There's so much care. There's so much respect for the source material. Um, you know, even with Ty Frank being Ty Frank, that it's it's just it's so refreshing to see. Yes, I agree. And it's the production staff. I, I this is one of the things that don't, doesn't in general. I don't think gets enough credit where your point is spot on in the sense of having things feel like they're lived in. And it's because they're and real. Everything they're real. Makes, yeah. Every sets. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that, and that makes, that makes a huge difference instead of having everything, you know, computer generated looking too clean. Yeah. And I, I just love what the show has done. It, it, it generally, when it generally takes liberties, it usually makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it almost always hits, and you know there's things here and there. Like anything, it's not going to be perfect, but the way it adapts the source material, the way it does when it has to truncate a story, right? It's generally do such. They generally do such a bang up job of taking the most important elements, can keeping the themes, while at the same time having to cut things up. Like like you said, the props. Yeah. And the way they use Praxed and Anna in this episode, I, I, uh, yeah. it, it, like we yeah. knew you, you knew that. Well, first because it was six episodes, they couldn't do everything, right? And as as important as that is in the books, like seeing Anna go through the rubble and all the stuff that she's doing, or instead of seeing what Prax is doing with his family, we weren't going to get that, right? But the, in such a small segment of their story, they give us. But it tells so much, and it, it yeah, it's super keeps powerful. that tone. Yes, and that's that is a very that is not an easy job. Most of the time, when when I see creators do this, you know, for adaptations, and they have to truncate a, a small part of the story, they usually don't do a good job of, and, yeah. and that's just it, it's just because it's not easy to do, even with good storytellers. Mm-hmm. It, that's not always easy right. to do. Right. So I can only I I just I always marvel at just the combination of character and story development and mixed with the visuals, not just of the space battles, which are fantastic, but also that whole feeling like we're seeing several different types of cultures play out before us and try to mingle with one another. It's phenomenal. Yep. 
100%. I think you look at this versus Game of Thrones and Gurm not finishing the books and the Double Ds having to fanfic their way out of that. Whereas, you know, this is a completed series. Now, I know the last book just came out a couple weeks ago, a month ago. Um, but it is a completed series. And, and the fact that the original writers of the books stayed on as part of the creative team and didn't have any sort of ego falling out or anything like that shows the difference. And, you know, I, I think they're also so fan friendly, you know, they really mm -hmm. are. And, and I know there, there's a large population of people out there who are just kind of like, I just like the expanse TV show. Cause I like it. I don't know about the books or the actors, personal lives and things like that. And why it sucks that they got rid of Kaz and, and Alex, like they did something that shows don't do is they gave the character reverence and Mm -hmm. We we saw this, and I, I think when when you were talking about the the scene between Jim and Clarissa, they gave reverence to her goal was to kill him, and now he's accept. He knew. I mean, he knew this, right? Like he knew she was trying to right. kill him. He didn't necessarily know like she, why she wanted like or like that she he was you know, target number one and, and she killed other people on along the way to, to try and get to him, which I'm sure does not help his, uh, his regret complex. But, um, she just, the, the, that scene there it was, it was, it was again, super powerful, super, just the way to be like way, way to tell a story. All right. So, um, out of five shots to the left, <laughs> what do you uh what do you give this one i give this one uh a four it, it did pretty much everything right um i'm still that last part and again it's that last part with the laconia magenta class cruiser that gave me pause just because it adds something that I don't think was necessary or not at the right time mm -hmm. with, and, and, and just a little bit, not a lot, but just a tiny bit more apprehensive sure. as to three episodes left. How are we going to cut this down? And I should have a little bit more faith considering, like I just said with Prax yeah. and Anna, they slashed their whole story arc. Yeah, but the way they they were able to get that those small snippet that small snippet for each should give me the the um, courage or it should give me the confidence that they'll be able to do it with this. Yep. It was just one of those things that I thought it I wasn't sure of. I didn't take take away. And one more thing, I forget we didn't mention it. I love that confrontation between Philip and Marco. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of all the right moves when uh, <laughs> when when uh, Craig uh, what's his name the coach Craig said, T. Nelson told Rifleman he yeah. yeah Craig T Nelson told Rifleman he quit because mm -hmm. he fumbled the ball right and Tom Cruise's character say no he didn't quit you quit mm -hmm. and that Philip calling him out in front of everybody oh, yeah. because again Rosenfeld told him she told Marco we don't need to do this. Yeah, and Marco's ego got in the way. Yeah, of everything. I mean, that's how the Pella got shot up, and you know, and then yep. they had to retreat. And 
yeah, I mean, Marco is, is not a military leader. All right, so closing out the strange dog section with Kara um, on Laconia. And see, this is why they should not have shown that ship, because those stations have just been turned on. Yeah. You know, right. and anyway, uh, so um, Zan is killed in this episode. Um, she gets Mama Bird and the drone back from the dogs. So it was it was a really good. So Zan gets run, got run over by a, a reindeer, um, also known as a soldier's motorcade. Well, you gotta throw the Christmas uh, the Christmas cheer yeah. into it. Uh, God, that was dark. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, throw Krampus in there while you're yeah. At it. Why not? Like Krampus is coming for you. You broke the drone. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter that you fixed it or the dogs fixed it. Uh, we saw two dogs this time. That was great. And, yeah. you know, I, 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 again, I feel like this is the only Laconian thing we should have seen. And we should get to Warte next week um, because yeah. of how that story goes. And that's the introduction to Duarte. And it doesn't really matter who plays him. Um, and then, you know, that. The, the Zan and, and, and Kara running off into the Laconian woods, which is how that story ends with everybody looking for them. Um, yeah. And then you follow up in the, you know, in the sequel series, we'll just call it a sequel series um, with what happens. And, you know, yes. Um, but again, I think this is the problem with picking such young kids to to play the parts when they were we're you know zam was definitely younger but you know kara was a little bit older um and she still has to age a little bit because of of you know the proto molecule and, and things like that but but yeah it's just it's they're, they're doing they're doing a great job just containing that to the stinger to open the show right so anyway um cool you got anything else no, just hope everyone has had a wonderful Christmas. Yes. And get all the little goods and odds and ends. And mm -hmm. we're able to you know, spend some great time with family and our friends mm -hmm. to celebrate Christmas. So, yeah. Daryl got me a, a sweet um, little, what's, what are they called? Tech deck skateboard set. Yeah. Just because I have a Santa Cruz one on my desk already, which I had that skateboard. So, um, And I got Daryl <laughs> a really nice book. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's informative. It will protect you. Yeah. So you know what I first when I first saw the cover, I thought it was the art of self defense, and I couldn't help but think of the movie. Oh no, no! But that would be great too. <laughs> That's a great movie. Uh, all right, Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, belated Merry Christmas because uh, this is obviously coming out the day after Christmas. Um, so if you're listening to this, why aren't you hanging out with your family? Hang out with your family and listen to this. Actually, listen to this with your family. Just make sure there's no kids yes. around because I apologize for all the cursing in this episode. I'm going to have to mark this one as explicit. Uh, all right. Have a, have a great one, and we will be back next week. Bye. See ya. The Infamous Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. 
This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at infamouspodcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamouspodcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons and are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So, whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.